Hi, this is John from Prodigal Church. We want to thank you for listening to this week's teaching. The best way to watch and listen is through our Prodigal mobile app, available at your app store. We hope you are moved to love God and others in a greater way. Now, let's dive right into this week's teaching. We want to say thank you for helping us in a greater way achieve our purpose as a church to love God and love people by filling out our online surveys. Countless of you have filled that out and that really does help us as we move towards more consistent in-person services. If you don't know what I'm referring to with online services, that means you probably don't have our app or follow us on social media. And we would encourage you, if you haven't filled it out yet, you can do so at prodigalchurchfresno.com under events or on our app as well. And so thank you so much for helping us um, navigate new territory as we move towards more consistent in-person worship services. And we can't wait. Today we start a brand new sermon series called Life, and we'll also be launching this week three different life groups that will coincide with the teachings uh, of this series. And so we encourage you, if you haven't signed up for a life group yet, there's three different opportunities on Tuesday nights with couples, Wednesday nights for women, and Thursday mornings for men. And you can sign up on our website on the life group tab. We hope to see you guys there. Uh, Throughout this series, we'll also be highlighting Uh, various ministries here at Prodigal Church. And so today we're highlighting our PC Kids ministry. Uh, Obviously, uh, you saw them at the announcement and the incredible job that they do. We love kids here at Prodigal Church and Pastor Brittany Howard has done an incredible job um, leading this ministry. I read of a curious little boy asking his dad some deep questions. And, And so he said, Dad, where do people come from? And The dad kind of struggles. He says, well, son, I know it may sound weird and stuff, but we come from apes. And then the boy kind of leaves his dad and goes to his mom and and asks the same question in a different room. And he says, mom, uh, where do we come from? And the mom says, well, honey, I don't know how to say this right, but, but we come from God. We come from God. And the boy responds and says, but dad says that we came from apes. And the mom, the ever quick-witted mom says, well, his side of the family does, mine, not so much. Regardless of where and how you think you were created, know this, one thing is certain, you are a miracle. You watching this, listening to this now, you're a miracle. The chances of you being struck by lightning is one in 700,000. The chances of you being eaten by a shark is one in 11 and a half million. The chances of you winning the lottery is one in 75 million. Yet the chances of you being born are one in 400 trillion. And yet here you are, sitting on the couch, driving in your car, walking on the sidewalk. You are here, you are a miracle. If your dad had stayed at work for five minutes longer, you would not be here right now. If your mom had turned down that second glass of wine, you would not be here right now. Don't say that, that you're a mistake, right? God loves you. God has a plan for you. God desires good things for you. You have a purpose in life. You are a walking, talking, living, breathing miracle. Don't forget it. Life is a gift. That purpose, the purpose that God has given all of us is loving our creator and being a force of love for the world around you. 
It's always about people, real life, real life, walking, talking miracles. People that you work with that are frustrating, that you don't think they're a miracle. They are. People are not problems to solve, but miracles to be loved. People are not problems to be fixed, but humans to love. Image bearers of God. Life is a gift and love is a point. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to explore this gift called life and look at its different seasons. Have you ever asked, why did God design the race, the human race, uh, to have it multiply by having babies, right? Like babies that take years to grow up to become adults. Like why didn't God do like the earthworm system where eventually a full-grown adult splits and then there's another full-grown adult? Um, or we could have had eggs and we laid eggs and then you know, babies are only babies for just a little bit of time and then they become fully mature. God could have done it a plethora of ways, but God chose it. God chose this way where babies are so vulnerable for so long and then this season of toddlers and then children and then adolescents and teenagers. God has some reason behind this way of multiplying the human race. Children stand for something. They point to something. They represent something. They point to an innocence, a beauty that we are called to embrace and enact. Children signify something bigger than ourselves. They stand for the kind of dependence and helplessness and faith and insufficiency that is required for adults to enter and live into the kingdom of God. In the ancient world, in the Greco-Roman world, childhood was seen as an insignificant phase of life. Uh, routinely, unwanted children were placed on roadsides or garbage dumps. In the ancient world, children had no status. This was the world that Jesus lived in, a world that didn't have time for children, and yet Jesus comes on the scene and places worth and immense value upon the children of the first century and upon your children today. He says things like this. Look at Matthew 19, 14. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. God's heart is for children. So is ours. Here at Prodigal, we place a lot of resources and efforts into our kids' ministry and for good reason. D.L. Moody once returned from preaching at a revival meeting and uh, reported that there were two and a half conversions. And someone asked, what, two adults and one child? And he said, no, 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 two children and one adult. The children have their entire lives to give to Christ. Adults just have half. Our vision here at Prodigal Church doesn't just include kids. The vision here at Prodigal Church is kids. It's for kids. This is why we spend so much time and resources in our kids' ministry. They matter. They're worth it. They're difference makers for the kingdom of God. There's something that's true and beautiful that God wants to reveal to us through children. Whether you have kids or not, God wants to reveal something true and beautiful about him and about you through children. I really believe this, that, that something supernatural happens when a baby laughs, right? Even the, everybody gets it, everybody smiles, even the most stone cold person to, at the sound of a baby's laughter will at least grin. 
I'm convinced that when, when a baby laughs, not only does everybody smile, but all of heaven rejoices. Our staff meets several times a week on Zoom, every week since this pandemic has happened. And during this crazy year where nothing is normal, we've, we've added new staff members um, who have children, and some of our uh, other staff members, regular staff members, have, have had babies. And so we're on Zoom and we're talking about the next event or the next sermon series, and then Eric's baby girl, Elliot, pops up on the screen with a big old smile, and we all just stare at her. And we all try and make her laugh. We all try and make her smile. Or Brittany's holding um, her almost six-month-old baby boy, and we just stop the meeting and just kind of focus on it's, it. Doesn't matter if, they, if it's a baby or if it's just one of our, you know, toddlers or big kids purposefully interrupting our meeting or accidentally interrupting our meeting. There's some innate sense that they, in that moment, are more important than whatever sermon series we're talking about, whatever church event or church business we're trying to handle. Children teach us something. There's something about kids that remind us of something that is true and beautiful. Look at Matthew 18. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him, and placed the child among them. And he said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. According to Jesus, it behooves us to not only to minister to children, but to become like children to be more childlike in our faith, less jaded, less cynical, more trusting, stronger in faith. There's this sign of trust that's shown that, that, that children has in other people, right? They, they grow up, children grow up with this innate sense that the world is a marvelous place and that people are good. For the majority of children, there's no question that when they say hello to someone else, that that person really wants to talk to them back. There's no question that a perfect stranger will want to hear about their stories or their illness or their owie. Uh, they believe that strangers want to look at their books or their toys or hear their stories. What, what could that mean for us? Could you for this week believe that the strangers that you encounter are perhaps good people? Could you give cynicism the week off? Could you send negativity on a vacation this week? And just try it this week. Try it, go back to it. Go back to it next week if you want. But send those away. Let's try and be more childlike and have a, a greater childlike faith this week and see what we may learn. For more than 30 years, Gordon McKenzie worked at Hallmark, uh, the card company. He was an executive there, and, and along with challenging corporate normalcy, uh, he did a lot of creativity workshops at elementary schools. And in those creativity workshops, McKenzie would ask the kids in the classroom how many of them are artists. And he said that the responses never varied. Every elementary school he went to, whether it was urban or suburban, or rural, they all were the same. Uh, in first grade, the entire class waved their arms up 
and everyone was an artist. They, they waved their hands like maniacs, okay? I have a first grader, I know this. And then in second grade, about half the kids would raise their hands. In third grade, he'd get about 10 out of the 30. And by the time they got to sixth grade, one or two kids would tentatively and self-consciously raise their hand and say, yes, I'm an artist. All the schools seem to be involved in the suppression of the creative genius. And they weren't doing it on purpose, but society's goal for us is to make us look less foolish. And McKinsey says that from the cradle to the grave, the pressure is on, be normal. And he came to this conclusion. There was a time, perhaps when you were very young, when you had at least a fleeting notion of your own genius, and you were waiting just for some authority figure to come along and validate it for you, but none ever came. What am I trying to say? Would you as a child be proud of you as an adult? We need to get back to that innocence. We need to get back to that kind of dependence, that beauty, that creativity. We must be childlike in our trust of Jesus. What does it mean to become like a child? To encounter and experience the kingdom of God? It means wonder, questions, awe, joy, living in the mo moment, uh, dependence on someone significantly bigger than yourself. Is there anybody watching this that needs to become more childlike? And another childlike quality that I believe we're called to emulate is the joy of repetition. Have you noticed that with babies that if you do something funny to make them laugh, uh, they'll, or you make a funny face or you make a, a silly noise, you don't stop, right? You do it again and they continue to laugh, right? This is why Peekaboo uh, has such a great history that our grandparents played Peekaboo. Uh, there's this, this, this thing where they just keep laughing again and again and again, and it's truly beautiful. And then we don't stop after once, right? We say, honey, get the camera, and then we do it again and again and again. And as our children get older, this quality doesn't go away, it just changes, right? My kids laugh at the same silly things and the same silly jokes all the time. They still laugh. G.K. Chesterton wrote about this quality. He said, God is infinite in that he knows the outcome of every possibility. Yet, like a child, he still exults in an outcome he already knows is certain. Because children have abounding vitality, because they are in a spirit fierce and free, therefore, they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, do it again, and the grown-up person does it again until he is nearly dead. For grown-up people are not strong enough to exult in monotony. But perhaps God is strong enough to exult in monotony. It is possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun, and every evening, do it again to the moon. It may not be automatic necessity that makes all daisies alike. It may be that God makes every daisy separately, but has never got tired of making them. It may be that he has the eternal appetite of infancy, for we have sinned and grown old, and our father is younger than we. The repetition in nature may not be a mere reoccurrence. It may be theatrical encore. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that true? God smiles on you again and again. He delights in monotony. In the everyday, can we... What step is God calling you towards 
today? And what is holding you back? Is it fear? Because fear changes with each season of life and each season as humanity moves forward, right? My great-grandfather rode a horse but was afraid of the train. My grandfather rode on a train but was afraid of a car. My father rode in a car but was afraid of an airplane. I ride in an airplane, but I'm afraid of a horse. Okay, it's this circular thing. No matter how old you are, it's okay to dream dreams. That's not childish. That's childlike. And it's what Jesus calls us to. Isaiah 43 says this, Do not call to mind the former things or ponder things of the past. Behold, I will do something new. God is doing something new within our kids and with our kids. God is a God of new ideas, of innovation. God is a God who uses change. And so no matter how old you are, we must pray for new visions. We cannot be content with what is. We must crave what can be. That which holds our attention determines our actions. It's okay to dream. Dream big dreams. The dreams you had once as a child, God may be calling you to even bigger and better dreams now as an adult, or perhaps even as uh, a, a grandmother or a grandfather. What does it mean to be more childlike? Finding joy in the everyday. Seeing new adventures, discovering new things, daring to dream big dreams, trusting in someone bigger than yourself. I'm confident that becoming childlike means more than that, but it certainly doesn't mean anything less. What does God have to teach you through children? Maybe what is that word for you today? Life is a gift. Love is the point. Life isn't always fine and dandy. Perhaps God's word for you this morning is to return. Return to the God who knits you together in your mother's womb. Return to the wonder and adventure that you exhibited as a child that is still a faint memory for you, but could you grasp it and use it to become who God has called you to be now? Return to seeing life as a gift, not a burden. Could we be strong enough to exult in monotony, in the everyday? Life is something you create. Life is not something that is happening to you. God, I pray in Jesus' name that we would return to a childlike faith, a childlike awe, a childlike wonder, and a childlike love. Could we see people the way you have called us to see people? God, we thank you for the ways in which you demonstrated your heart for children. God, we pray that Prodigal Church would be a place that raises up um, boys and girls to become amazing men and women who love you and love others. In Jesus' name, amen.